Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Well, hello once again, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and all of you curious individuals. And of course, I say that with the utmost respect because you deserve respect. Everybody deserves respect right now. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. And in this episode, it is my extreme pleasure. I have a real treat for you. We have the one and only Maria Gabriella. How are you today, Maria? I am doing great. Thank you so much. I am so happy you are here. This is this is just like a complete shift in the podcast. I feel like we've reached a new ground where we've got some diversity in here finally. <laughs> we're, we're getting to that point. <laughs> I bring diversity everywhere I go. <laughs> Wait, what's the difference between diversity and chaos? I don't know. My mom does. My mom definitely doesn't think that there's a difference there. <laughs> Good. I am way too chaotic. Bring on the chaos. Before we begin, I always like to know a little bit about our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am a Venezuelan American immigrant and I came to the United States in 2001. Mm -hmm. I'm currently a ServiceNow developer at a partner, but I've basically worked in every part of ServiceNow from being a tech, being just a tech doing incidents to being an architect, architecting the system. I'm currently going back to school for computer science and I'm hoping to finish uh, with a master's. We'll see. And the most fun thing about me is that I love shrimp breeding. Shrimp breeding did you say shrimp breeding okay we're not talking like sea monkeys kind of thing are we (laughs) no uh cherry shrimps they're like this big and they come in really colorful colors really i've never heard of a shrimp breeder before so you are (laughs) you are really bringing the interest to this show i was going to go down the path of computer science but i really want to explore shrimp breeding. how long have you been doing that so i've actually been doing shrimp breeding for about three years um, there's different types of shrimp, at least three. There's neocaridinias, uh, which are your standard uh, cherry shrimps. Okay. Then there's crystal shrimps, which are a lot more delicate. And then there's amano shrimp, which are just terrifying monsters. They're those big ghost shrimps you see at like PetSmart. What are the ones that end up on my fettuccine? Neither of those. <laughs> the terrifying yeah. ones? <laughs> um, I think so. The terrifying ones get really big. I've actually never looked that up, honestly. They become like your little pets. So I don't want to think about eating them. Uh, frying pan is uh, with some scampi. That's good for me. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. There's different colors and you got to make sure that you have your best colors making babies. So you get even better colors. You can't let them mix. Do you have any other hobbies outside of shrimp breeding that you'd like to mention? I am a graphic designer, and I try to bring that into every aspect of service now that I touch. I'm very much into the user interface UX uh, aspect of things. I'm also the vice president of my community college's uh, programming club. Oh, neat. Great way to get involved, by the way. That is... Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun because I've come to realize that not only am I 10 years older than them, but I also have real experience. So I'm teaching them all about ITIL, uh, Agile, and all these things. And like, we've established a mini help desk to help support the Canvas LMS. Uh And it's it's been a lot of fun. That is awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. You're learning, you're sharing, you're giving back to the community. That is the best way to go. Uh, You also have a note in here about a blog. 
Right. So the womennow.dev blog, um, that is an initiative that uh, I encouraged and I helped Paige Duffy start. Um, We call each other the co-founders, but in reality, she's the one who had the idea and I'm the (laughs) one who pushed her off the cliff. Um, And it's basically a blog to feature female identifying developers and their allies and try to get more of us out there. Because like you said, we don't have enough diversity in most of the facets of technology. So getting on this podcast is one of the things uh, that was a goal for me, honestly. (laughs) Um, Starting the blog is something that I'm really passionate about. And I'm really hoping that we're able to make that into a community where we're able to not only help female identifying developers out there get noticed, but also to help find a place where we can all sort of come together and vent about things that sometimes happen. There's always been this disparity about the amount of men and women, particularly in the computer science. You probably notice this even still today. It's it's ridiculous. And, uh, and it's something very difficult. And I don't know if we're ever going to be able to sort of hit all the nuances about it in a single conversation. Yeah. And it's very difficult to make up for because you don't want to just go all the way over on the other side and start excluding everybody else. Yep. So it's this is really about featuring allies and everybody who wants to speak on this matter. And if anybody ever wants to talk about it, you guys will know where to reach me later on. We'll give contact information at the end of the conversation. Absolutely. Let's explore your superhero origin story, Maria. So my superhero origin story starts like many others with failure. It's always how it starts. You always hit the bottom. Um, I remember, if I remember correctly, Bill Gates quit college and then he went from there. A lot of people think that you need to go get an education in order to get started and in order to become successful. But I feel like I might be an example of an outlier. Stay in school, kids. But... (laughs) Don't do it if it doesn't feel right yet. So I try to go to school for psychology, advertising, art, literally anything that I thought could make money because I was so focused on making money and ignoring art. So I tried computer science for a little bit there and I talked myself out of it because I saw all these other people like you, Chuck, who are able to integrate their interests into technology and are able to do these things for fun and I could never find myself doing them. Just, oh, go pick up a Raspberry Pi and just mess with it. I can never do that. Now, the funny story is that I just picked one up for home automation. <laughs> so I'm kind of getting there. There you go. Um, so I left VCU um, after getting academically suspended because of a car accident. My grades just plummeted. Ooh. And I started working as a tech support agent at a golf course company. And that was a lot of fun because, get this, They gave admin access to the tier one technicians to all of the customer databases. Oh, my. So I could drop (laughs) tables, and I did by accident. That's how I learned. um, One time I dropped the client's events table. I went to my senior technician. I explained the issue. He had a hold of it, and then I cried on his chair. I think we all have one of those scary moments in our career where we go, I'm going to get killed for this. (laughs) Exactly. Especially because the reason I was even in there was because their backups had failed. So it was even worse. Wait, who was in charge of the backups? 
technically the tier one technicians. Oh no. Oh, oh I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> yeah. I um it was definitely trial by fire, but I learned so many useful things that I could never have learned at any other tier one job. How do which... you mean doing backups all the time? Exactly. <laughs> Three backups. One on site, another off site, one in the cloud. That's a good plan. Yes. Um, from there, I ended up trying to interview for a tier two position where I was rushing against time. I was trying to get back to my actual job. And I told the hiring manager, hey, hang on. I'm sorry. Uh, I have a hard stop at 1145. I have to make it to my next job. And apparently he almost didn't hire me because of that. Um, but luckily, I managed to convince him, even though I had no experience, that because I saved $300 by going to a car dump, pulling the piece out of a car and fixing my car, that he thought he could show me anything. <laughs> and that translated into me making a bet with him about me learning service now and becoming his admin. I thought it was a joke. And he just went, you're on. And... Now I'm here. You never know where opportunities are going to strike next. Isn't that true? It, it just, it's crazy. That's definitely it. I've gotten extremely lucky and just have been at the right place at the right time for a lot of my career. And if there's any, like, I am not going to be able to be the technician or the developer who sits here and codes you an application from A to Z just in one go. I'm going to be the one who can Google it and get it done for you the right way the first time. <laughs> oh, you're making the rest of us look bad. I'm feeling old. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. So how has ServiceNow, you mentioned that you know, getting into the ServiceNow admin job, how has that changed your career? So I talked earlier about being able to make the connections between your hobbies and what you enjoy and technology. Mm-hmm. ServiceNow was the very first place that I was able to make that connection with art. Really? When I saw the service portal, I was just in love. And anytime I get to touch user interfaces, anytime I get to talk about the user experience, I'm able to mix my customer interactions and love of processes, procedures, and design and actually make money with it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, I learned a lot of lessons through ServiceNow, and I think the very first one that I wish I could tell myself when I was younger was that not everybody knows things just off the top of their head. Yeah, I would see people like you in my college just messing with the Raspberry Pis, and I would think, these guys are just really smart. Like, I don't have that. And then I realized that it's because they just looked it up whenever they felt like it. Like, they found a spark, and they felt joy. And they had fun and they looked it up. And it took me a long time to find that, but I found it in ServiceNow because it was a place where I could learn. And it was a place where I could look up using the, the wiki, RIP. I could use the docs. I could <laughs> you, use wait, the, you, you know, the, you, were you around when the wiki was around? Yes. Do you remember um, Knowledge19? There yeah. were RIP wiki stickers. <laughs> yeah. That was me. <laughs> that was the year that it, it died. <laughs> oh, they yeah, they finally put it to bed in 19. They, they they started doing the transition from, they had Wiki and Docs back, I think, as far as Geneva. So 2016, 2015 in that area. So, yeah, I forgot it was like a four-year transition. 
Yep, it took a while, but I was here for the last bit of it, enough to make a meme at least. <laughs> um, but learning through the wiki, through the docs, through the Slack, honestly, the SNDev Slack has saved my job so many more times than I could tell y'all. Nice. But the community and service now is amazing because you're not reinventing the wheel. You can literally Google anything, and there is somebody who's tried it, failed, and asked for help. And it's just amazing how we can all help each other out. And it really brought me into the community more than into the software first. I finally felt confident pursuing things that I had never pursued. I learned HTML and JavaScript, which I thought would always be too far away for me to do because I'm just an artsy-minded person. I found my own niche and if it hadn't been for ServiceNow, I don't think I would have ever gotten into technology. I'm curious about your perspective on this because I've always thought of software development as very much an art form. There is the science aspect to it, you know, knowing functions and passing parameters and scope of variables and whatnot. But there's an art form to it of how you craft the architecture of that. When am I making an object here versus... Uh, passing three parameters there, or do I do top-down design or do I do bottom-up design? What I'm I'm not a very artistic person, and for a, I got a flashback real quick for a moment of confession. I'm one of the people that needs to be pushed into a technology. I don't normally just go out and discover things on my own. Somebody says Raspberry Pi, I'm like, yeah, what's that? And what can I do with it? And how is it going to make my life better? And then they tell me exactly. a few stories and then I go, oh, I want one. You know, and then I'll tear into it, you know, with exactly. unabashed I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm so excited to be able to get my uh, my Raspberry Pi to talk to my Google Home to tell me when my dryer is done downstairs. Oh, that's my current goal. When you figure that out, let me know, because that is a chronic problem in our house, too, is the washer and dryer, especially for my daughter who's in the guest house next door. Like, please exactly. let me send them a Slack message or something to get, get a notification to them. So anyway, I'm in the guest attic. Back to the artist part. Right. You're more artistic. So, Your catalog probably has cooler icons than anyone else. <laughs> what about the software development piece? Actually, I think you just pieced together something that a phenomenon that I had observed that I never really understood understood until now um, by phrasing it that way, because there have been times where the smartest, most intelligent developer that I have ever met has made some decisions that I could not believe in the after, whenever I was trying to work with the system that they developed, because it is truly an art form making those decisions and being able to identify when, sure, this is a technology that ServiceNow has, and it's a technology that they use out of the box, but you don't use it in this specific scenario just because you know how to use it. Yeah. And I think finding that balance is something that, thanks to being very flexible and very arty-minded, I think I'm able to find because I want to just get it done. I want to get to the finished product. <laughs> I want to turn in my work, and I want it to work the first time, and I don't need it to be super complex. I just want it to be done. And that's something that you have to teach yourself when you do art, actually. It's something that I still personally struggle with. It's finished, not perfect. I spent four years of my life trying to do a comic book and I never finished the first issue because I was always going back and just redrawing panels and redrawing panels and mm. I could never get it done. But 
finally forcing myself to acknowledge finish not perfect, get the MVP out, get version one out. You can later iterate upon it. That is the true art of development, in my opinion. <laughs> I love it. I love it. As If you look back on your ServiceNow career so far, what's been the most exciting moment as a ServiceNow developer? So I am a huge history buff. Uh, being an immigrant into America has shaped my life in that I am just so amazed and in love with American history, American culture. I'm so proud to be an American, no matter how corny that sounds. Not at all. But getting to work at the places that I have worked and be part of the American government and the system has just fulfilled of my life that I never knew I had. Getting to work at the Library of Congress, for example, and getting to walk the halls of history has just been the most awe-inspiring moments of my life. Now, for a less serious answer, for <laughs> K20, uh, the SN Devs community uh, admins created a small website using a, a hackathon instance, mm -hmm. and it was the K20 website. And I kid you not, I spent probably 10 hours trying to figure out how to make the minty donut image switched from colored sprinkles to white sprinkles and back. <laughs> and then I made another box that uh, when you hover over it, it goes rainbow CSS all over the place. Those are my two most, most uh, proud moments in service, now development. You truly are a developer when you realize you've spent way too much time on something like that. When, when you say, I can spend the next four weeks building this little utility that'll save me 15 seconds every month. <laughs> yep. There's but no ROI totally on things it. like that, except the personal pride. That's the only ROI you get out of that. <laughs> exactly. You did it. And by golly, I saved those three lines of code. <laughs> what was your biggest challenge? So... Another big dream, now that I've got being on this podcast off my uh, to-do list. Yeah, I didn't realize this was a bucket list thing, but okay. Um, I really want to participate in the hackathon, but every year I just cannot come up with an idea. I just am trying so hard to find something fun to do inside of the platform. Like Earl Dukey's entry last year was so funny. He created a clicker game like a uh, cookie clicker inside of ServiceNow. <laughs> and it was just amazing. I accidentally broke it um, along with a couple of other of my colleagues, but it was still so much fun. And I just want to do something memorable, something fun. I don't want to do anything serious, but I just can't come up with it. Well, the thing about the, the hackathon is it takes a team of different skill members. Every member has their own skill set. So you don't have to be the coder. You may not even have to be the idea maker. You can build upon someone else's idea. So if you find the right team, like Robert, Fedork, like Robert Fedork says, he says, I'm, I'm not writing any code in there, but I'm coming up with the idea and the architecture. And he's the one who spends the time creating the story and the PowerPoints. So when it's presentation time, they nail it. So you know, different people have different talents to bring to that game. So don't think you have to be, you know, the one with a soldering iron and an Arduino to make this thing win. <laughs> I guess if anybody has any ideas that you uh, want to talk about, 
contact me later on down below. Oh, heck yeah. People are going to be flocking to your email box to get you on the next team. I can guarantee that. Uh, what is one thing you'd like to see changed on the Now platform? So this isn't necessarily something about the platform itself. Okay. Um, this is more about how the platform is marketed to potential customers. And it's based off of a personal struggle that I deal with a lot. It's trying to convince and encourage customers to ask for customizations from out of the box while encouraging them and reassuring them that I'm not going to let them mess up their system, that I'm not going to let them just make their upgrades unable to be done. But anytime that anybody asks, hey, can the system do this? And I mm -hmm. tell them, yeah, but I'll just have to modify something. They immediately backtrack and just go, oh, wait, no, we want to stay out of the box. We can't do that. We'll break our upgrades. And it's <laughs> and I understand yeah. where ServiceNow is coming from in the past and how it used to be. But that phenomenon of still communicating that fear into the customers is just a single handedly the, the, the worst blocker with working with the system that I've encountered. I can see it being a good guiding paradigm for yes. the IT employee and customer workflows, the stuff we're providing. Don't go modify script includes or you're going to own that thing. You know, but then uh, but they it, think it, of it as granular as like, yeah, if they want to add a new box or a new field that will help them yep. instead of using the comments and I tell them that's something that not out of the box, they immediately go, no, don't worry, we'll figure it out. Forget right. our reporting. Well, and then you start getting bad habits of let's use things that are out of the box for things they weren't designed for. Or even worse, <laughs> let's build something net new and extend the employee workflow or the customer IT yes. workflow and say, we need a new, we've got a new process that we want to track that ServiceNow isn't covering. They won't even go there because they think, oh, we're going to break something. No, the net new stuff is you know, quite literally greenfield. Exactly. Not, that isn't covered by upgrades. <laughs> so as long as you follow you know, technical best practices, you're not doing something <laughs> stupid like DOM manipulations. But yeah, that, that's a discussion for another story. But yeah, I, I agree. There's, there's sort of this conversation you need Balance. to have. It is a platform. It's meant to be configurable. It's meant to be extended. And I just hate seeing whenever they stick so close to out of box. Yep. They end up trying to go outside of the system to accommodate their needs. And I'm like, no, ServiceNow can do it. You're paying for this platform. You yep. need to use it. Don't try to go around it and trust. Well, firstly, I want to I want to 100 percent heartily agree with what you just said. It is a great guiding principle for people out there who are not familiar with the system. Like you said, there's been so many changes made out there that just destroy just destroy change management. That's the one thing that I see destroyed every implementation. Because everybody thinks they've got their own way of doing it. No, no. It's just your, your process is bad and you should feel bad. <laughs> we used to call that putting lipstick on a pig. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I totally agree that it is a necessary... I'm not going to call it a necessary evil because it is necessary. Right. But that's just the one thing I wish there could be an asterisk. But if you don't 
sell it the way it's sold, the customer just doesn't understand it, unfortunately. Hopefully, we will start to see some change in the way that particularly our salespeople are representing that as as we spin up this fourth pillar. We've got IT employee and customer workflows. We're going to be elevating the platform into its own column. So it's no longer this underpinning thing for the other applications. I mean, it still is, but it's also going to elevate their consciousness of what the platform can do. And that'll open up the discussion of what do we need to do to do it right? So I'm with you 100%. It, it, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't tinker and extend. My first application was an extension of ITSM. Many of the listeners are already familiar. The Loaner Request app, where I took the CMDB and said, hey, let's loan out laptops, projectors, mobile phones, chairs if we need to, and put that into a trackable database with reporting. Because up until that point, it was done on paper, <laughs> which yeah, it, it's crazy, but you know, even spreadsheets would have been horrific. A little bit to, better. Well, a little bit better, but still difficult across multiple offices. And it's like, well, how many laptops do we have in the Boulder office? How many how many laptops do we have in the Chicago office? How many how many do we have in London? I don't know. How many are missing? How One of the things I really love about ServiceNow is teaching people how reporting works mm -hmm. and how if you didn't have the data before, it's just we're not going to be able to track against it. Yeah. And it's a concept that they're not able to part process sometimes, but Actually, one of the more fun things that I got to do once was uh, software asset management, no, hardware asset management, um, just creating a workflow that checked inventory rooms and saw where we could be able to supply it from and things like that. Oh, neat. That was just a cute little fun thing. And, and see, that's, that's adding value without calling it a customization. It's a configuration. Yeah, it really is. And, and the, you know, the, the further we get away from coding things, I'm not saying this in a negative way, but as you look at things like Flow Designer and Integration Hub, things that were highly scripted before. I think it, the further you get away from that, you enable developers like me to exist because I can code. I know JavaScript yep. and I'm technically in a computer science degree, but you know that I am avoiding that at all costs because <laughs> not only... And I told this once to a really smart developer, if you write code that nobody else can read, you might as well have not written it. Yeah. Because it's not sustainable. You're not able to be helped. And if you get hit by a truck, we're doomed. Um, so the less code there is and the easier to understand code there is, the more developers like me you are able to have because I can do it. But ServiceNow as a platform has enabled me to do so many more things than I ever thought I could do solely because of the no or low code solutions. And it's something that I'm extremely grateful for. Couldn't have said it better. Oh, okay. Speaking of more words of wisdom, what words of wisdom do you have for somebody just getting started with ServiceNow? Learn to Google. That's it. Okay. And like, do you normally find your ServiceNow stuff through Google or is it hitting the community? Where's, where's a lot of that content coming up from? So um, I've gotten really good at Google keywords, but I always, the very first option is always docs. Okay. And it's a great resource because it helps me realize what I'm missing. But sometimes the docs pages are at a technical level, extremely high mm -hmm. where I'm not there yet. 
So I continue on to the next searches and you end up finding community questions that are asking the exact same thing you're looking for. And then you also find community blogs like the developer program blog. You've got Jace's blog. Hopefully in the future, Women Now will become one of those blogs Ooh. that is used. Um, but it's always just Google is a great aggregator of information. You just have to learn how to Google. Because as I'm teaching new developers, they're always saying, I can't find this. And I'm able to find it in three seconds. It's all about knowing what keywords to find. And you'll learn this as you learn how to ask the questions. It's not something that's going to be easy to pick up. But I tell everybody who's not in service now, they're like, oh, man, I just want to find a good job. I just want to find a normal like programming job. I'm so tired of freelancing. And I'm like... Google service now. Just don't worry about it. I actually tried. Um, uh, one of my friends is a car mechanic who yeah. is getting his CSA. And his number one struggle was in his job, you're expected to know everything. You need to know and you need to have knowledge, this tribal knowledge passed down about how to fix cars. And his number one struggle was learning that with service now, you can just Google it. Just teach yourself how to research and you'll be fine. That was one of the biggest things I got out of college, too. It wasn't to know everything, but to learn how to learn it, you know, how to bootstrap yourself up with that. And, of course, relationships. People don't like the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But, boy, that is yeah. so true so many times, especially when you're looking at your career path and, and you, you have to have those relationships in place. Because, like we said earlier, you never know where your next opportunity is coming from. 100%. I am... Um my mentor, the guy who got me the my very first ServiceNow job by making that bet with me, he's gotten me so many amazing opportunities. And I literally would not be here today if it wasn't for him. But it's really funny that that's what you got out of school. The first thing I got out of school was video games. So <laughs> I think that explains a little bit here. And I had never thought about school being the thing to teach you how to research because actually... Um, in the programming club and all these computer science classes that we're having, we keep having philosophical arguments about how much code should you learn from the book versus Google. Yeah. And it's like, and in, in my job, I learn everything from Google. So why can't I not Google my homework assignments? I had a lot of math classes in college to go along with the computer science. And it wasn't about knowing the answers. It was more about the concepts understanding what it was teaching. Same thing with software development. It's if you know the basic concepts of you know, object-oriented programming and you know, conditional statements and looping constructs and, and those kinds of things, they're pretty translatable to any other language. I mean, it is, I, if, if you know those basic concepts, you won't have a hard time picking it up, whether it's Python or PHP or you know, something else. I, I came up from uh, procedural languages. You know, I I went to school. I learned about those. It was Pascal and C. Um, speaking about, uh, can service now be done with Jelly yet? That would be great. Uh, no, because then everything would break that customers have put out there. We can't Ducks. we can't really push anything to the side. Now, that being said, there are newer technologies coming out, and it's just a matter of time before customers go, "Well, this is this is awesome." I mean, take a look I at the now. Just got to outlive it. I just. Talked to a, one of our training directors, Andy Ho, yesterday. And, I know him. And said, Andy, 
are we coming out with curriculum around the now experience, building components and UI builder and all this stuff? He said, absolutely. You know, it's just, it, it's coming. So I'm looking forward to that. All right, Maria, is there anything that I missed that you'd like to add? Um, it's actually something that I missed. So something that I've struggled with my whole career has been a thing called imposter syndrome. And it's something that I feel will resonate a lot with other women developers out there and maybe anybody out there. It's that feeling you get where you see everybody else around you being so much better and you feel like you don't belong. I just wanted to say something to the listener and it's that you're valid, you're worth it, and you belong. And you can do so much more than what you think you can do. Just believe in yourself like I believe in you. And that's it. I love it. You know what? That right there made the podcast all worthwhile. I would also like to add on to that. We all started out at level zero on something. If you were to tell me to go play the guitar, I would have no clue where to start except, you know, go Google it. <laughs> and then I'd probably end up at a, at a music store the next day. But we all started And But the nice thing about the ServiceNow community is, and, and I know you'll agree with me on this, is everybody's so helpful. Everybody, you know, they There's are. so many people out there to contribute. So all you have to do is ask. Nobody's going to say, that's a stupid question, because we were all there. And it keeps changing. I feel like that every time there's a new technology. Hey, we got now experience out. Like, I got to learn something new. And I know that, <laughs> that there's people your age that are going to learn it twice as fast as I do. So, you know, that's encouraging because, you know, as I, as I start to sunset my career in the next few decades, it's nice to know the younger generation has our back. So, yes, it, lean on the people that are there. It, it, it don't hesitate. I love that, that message that you are valid, you're trusted, and you can do it. Thank you so much for adding that. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us today, Maria. And before we leave, let the listener know, you already mentioned a website in there, so let them know how they can get in touch with you. Yes, so womennow.dev is uh, the new blog that I'm going to be posting everything on now that I know what blogging is. Um, LinkedIn is uh, forward slash in forward slash MGOPW. Uh, Twitter is the real MGOPW because someone stole my name four years ago uh-huh. before I even got married. Um, and then if you ever need any graphic design, my uh, illustrations website is ditziv.com. D-I-T-Z-I-V. Well, thank you for joining us. And thank you, wonderful listener, for also joining us today. Don't forget to check out the other ServiceNow podcasts. You can find them at community.servicenow.com under the resources menu. Subscribe to this podcast to get it automatically delivered to you for free. You can find that information over at bit.ly slash sn-break-point. Wherever you find your podcast, just search for Breakpoint, whether it's Amazon, Apple, Google, Spotify, you know the places. Go out there and get them. And again, thank you so much, Maria, for sharing with us today. Thank you so much for letting me cross this off my bucket list. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening.